It is called Internet. I use the World Wide Web information superhighway. Cybersecurity. Why do things go viral? Click here. All aboard. You ready to go take a look at all the great things you're already doing at Discovery Bay? Come on in. Let's take a look. Discovery Bay. It's a waterfront community in the East Bay, not far from San Francisco. Just think uh, boat docks behind your house, palm trees, flip-flops. And we've even got shopping here at the marina. Come on in, let's check out Madeline. It's, great it's an unincorporated town in Contra Costa County. And because it's unincorporated, it's in charge of a lot of its own basic services. Things like handling water and sewage. We're here for the regular water and wastewater committee meeting. Has roll call been taken? So this was your average sleepy California town. And then this crazy thing happened almost three years ago in early 2021. All right, so next one up, water treatment plant. Interesting one here. Um, intentionally attempting to cause malfunction to the facility's safety and protection system. Someone appeared to have hacked Discovery Bay's water treatment facility, which is where the town's water is collected, cleaned, and made safe to drink. And the scary thing was, whoever it was who targeted the plant actually got all the way into the facility's monitoring and control system, something called SCADA. And then they just erased it. When the SCADA operators came in, you know, for their morning shift, the SCADA software was not running. They basically had blank screens. Someone uninstalled the SCADA system. This is Joseph Weiss, and he heard about this computer problem at Discovery Bay because it was local news. He lives about an hour away. But it may also have caught his attention because he's a managing partner at Applied Control Solutions, which is all about control system security. I'm actually a nuclear engineer that got into the world of cybersecurity. Joe spent the first 30 years of his career designing things that made complicated systems easy to use, the kind of thing that engineers are supposed to do. The more complex it is, the more chance there is something is going to go wrong. So part of the engineering is to try to make this very, very, very complex system as simple as possible. So they did things like make control panels that were easy to understand, not numbers or lines of code, but something more visual. What we were trying to make sure of was what the operator would be seeing represented real life. Got it. And what year would this have been, Joe? This was in the early 70s. And again, I'm dating okay. myself by saying that. <laughs> I've just dated you. I apologize for that. They also made it so that the many different systems that went into, say, treating water or monitoring a power plant could talk to each other. And eventually, it allowed anyone anywhere with special access to the network not only to see how it was doing, but to tweak it, too. One single power plant or refinery or water system may have five or 10 or 20 or 50 different vendors. And so all of them have to work together. So in a sense, you want to have as much information sharing as you can. But then the cybersecurity guys entered the equation. And then all of a sudden the security world comes in and says, we want you doing exactly opposite. Making the physical system so accessible also made it more vulnerable to cyber attacks. The engineering world, in most cases, even to this day, to this day, is designing things 
without necessarily considering cybersecurity right. to this day. Sort of in the same way that they designed the internet, never thinking there'd be hackers. That's exactly right. So here I was doing all of this work to try to automate all of these systems, bring them together, never once, never even once considering cyber being an issue. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. We tell true stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. These days, companies in towns like Discovery Bay may have some sort of cybersecurity protection, but the focus is on things like malware and ransomware, and not so much on this other kind of hack that in some ways is much more sinister. An attack that is much harder to spot and much harder to defend against because it doesn't look like anything out of the ordinary. There's no malware to scan for, no back door to close. Instead, hackers are using systems that are already inside a network to launch an attack against itself. Stay with us. In Norway, a woman's boyfriend forgets who she is overnight. In Detroit, a man is arrested, but he was never at the crime scene. In Spain, disturbing pictures of young girls have appeared, and no one knows who's behind them. Something strange is happening. A collision between people and artificial intelligence. Discover more in The Guardian's new series, Black Box. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes, Monday and Thursdays. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. The SCADA system Discovery Bay's water treatment plant was running can be found in utilities and industrial sites all over the world. Broadly speaking, a SCADA system is used to monitor and control various operations. It's your, if you will, the plant operator's view of the world. It tells you, with a look and a couple of mouse clicks, how a plant is doing or whether a factory line is running properly. And if something is awry, a SCADA system allows you to put it back on track. So, if all of a sudden it goes down and your operators come in and the system goes dark, like it did in Discovery Bay, well, it's a problem. You, you lost your eyes is what, what, it, what it amounts to. You could physically run systems, you just won't be able to run them efficiently. It'd be like your Windows operating system on your computer just disappearing. You could still write a podcast episode, but you'd be doing it with pen and paper. This kind of hack, in which a system that lives inside the network is then used to attack the network itself, actually has a name. It's called a living off the land attack. Living off the land basically means somebody is going to possibly change some of that really, really, really subtle 
programming and you're doing it from the inside. And it was the very thing that Joe had been worrying about for years. So much so that, just for jollies, as he put it, he decided to write a book with a very academic title. Protecting Industrial Control Systems from Electronic Threats. When was that written? Uh, In 2010. But it's still relevant. Usually, a hacker attacks you with a weapon they've built, like malware or some web shell. But in Living Off the Land, it's like they're breaking into your house and attacking you with your own kitchen knife. They've slipped into your network and then roam around and change a setting that you wouldn't notice that could lead to untold problems later. If you're a power plant, they could disable circuit breakers. If you're a water treatment plant, they could tweak the concentration of a single chemical. And no one notices because it all looks like it's part of what's supposed to be there. Which is what set off Joe's spidey sense back in 2021, when he heard about the SCADA system vanishing in the Discovery Bay water treatment plant. He immediately thought about this case that's kind of famous in the SCADA world. One that happened down under. What happened was a disgruntled insider in Australia wanted to get a job. He was the system integrator. He was the one who installed the SCADA system. Apparently, the local city council had discussed a job with him and it didn't materialize. But they never followed up to make sure he no longer had access to their network. Well... Here's the person with all of the knowledge. He got upset and ended up remotely hacking that utility and, you know, basically remotely opened sewage discharge valves. According to a MITRE report about it, he caused nearly a million liters of raw sewage to pour into local parks and rivers. Local marine life died. Creek water turned black. And the stench for locals was terrible. Fortunately, in Discovery Bay, the network engineers came in the next day, saw blank screens on their computers, and immediately knew something was wrong. While it was scary to see, they were able to step in before any damage was done. And for two years, the cause of the SCADA problem remained a bit of a local mystery. Until just this past summer, in July, when the Justice Department unsealed an indictment. And the indictment alleges that this person had installed a remote control software on his employer's system and also his personal computer, which enabled him to monitor instrumentation. And though there was no real damage in this case, the whole episode makes a larger point. It very much validated what their fears were. That, hey, somebody using this desktop remote software was able to get in and start changing things. When we come back, we look at how nation states are testing living off the land attacks on a larger scale, a kind of Discovery Bay hack on steroids, and what that actually means for the rest of us. We'll be right back. What if someone you love asks you to help them die? What would you say? This is the powerful question at the heart of the ultimate choice. The series follows the journey of Michael and his wife Anne as they grapple with his request to choose the way he wants to die. 
I'm Rob Cribb, and through their story, I learned a lot about my own family. I hope the show is a way to start conversations many of us want to have, but rarely do. The ultimate choice is out now. You're listening to Click Here. I'm Dina Temple Raston. It isn't just disgruntled employees who are doing all these hacks on industrial controls. Nation-state actors like China and Russia are trying their hand at attacking systems from the inside, too. Just ask Rob Joyce, the director of cybersecurity at the National Security Agency, or NSA. We spoke to him before a live audience at the Aspen Cyber Summit in New York last week. Uh, We have an amazing panel, starting with uh, Rob Joyce. He says Chinese state hackers are using living-off-the-land hacks to slip into critical infrastructure in the United States. But the targets they're picking aren't the ones you'd expect. They're going to places that have no legitimate intelligence value. They don't have any commercial espionage value. They are there to preposition on critical infrastructure to give advantage in times of crisis or conflict. And they're using living off the land techniques, and it's hard to He find says they're in our critical infrastructure networks right now. And the concern is that they're just biding their time, waiting for the moment when an attack would have maximum impact. The problem? With living off the land hacks, it's almost impossible to know how to spot it because adversaries are hiding in plain sight. We can't tell a, a local water company, uh, a pipeline company, a port, an airport, look for these pieces of malware in your in your commercial system, they have to know their system well enough to know what's normal and abnormal and find people living off the land inside. But the Chinese aren't alone. It appears the Russians have been trying their hand at this as well. A new report just came out from the threat intelligence team at Google's Mandiant, and it laid out in pretty vivid detail how the Russians launched a living off the land hack on a power substation in Ukraine last October. Like Discovery Bay, it involved breaking into a SCADA system. So in in this case, it was a a virtual machine that was managing a a micro-SCADA system. This Um, is Keith London. He's a manager of Mandiant's cyber-physical threats team and one of the authors of the report. So the attacker was able to pivot from the IT world uh, over into this industrial control system uh, environment. The industrial controls that Joe Weiss wrote that book about. In this case, after Keith's team analyzed the hack, they figured the Russian hackers were roaming around a Ukrainian substation's network for months. Essentially, they uploaded a file. Um, in this case, it was an ISO image, uh, which is essentially... Think of like that a, as a virtual disk that was inserted into a computer remotely. And... That was configured to essentially use the microSCADA functions that existed within that system to send commands um, to the different types of components within the power grid. Keith said it's not totally clear what the Russians were trying to do in this case. But it's not hard to guess, given what Moscow has done in the past. Nearly a quarter of a million people lost power in this small Ukrainian city when it was targeted by a suspected Russian attack last In 2015, Russia launched a more traditional cyber attack on Ukraine's power grid, and it turned off the lights for 230,000 people just by tweaking systems in a plant. The primary way that they're, that they're impacting these systems are to trip uh, circuit breakers and all of that just simply uh, causes the power flow to, to be interrupted. 
tripping circuit breakers, he says, to make the lights go out. And few people know more about Russia's cyber attacks against Ukraine than this guy. I'm Viktor Zhora. I'm deputy chairman of the State Service of Special Communications and Information Protection of Ukraine. I oversee the activities of the National Incident Response Team, CERT-UA, and the State Cyber Protection Center, and also responsible for digital transformation processes in our service. So if I say you're kind of like Ukraine's CISA, is that correct? I would say I'm one of Ukraine's CISA. Up until recently, Viktor Zhura was one of Ukraine's chief information security officers. He was constantly up close and personal with Russia's hacking campaigns. And we see a shift in, uh, in operations to uh, the usage of uh, different open source tools, and all of them can be hardly detected by cyber defensive uh, solutions. Is this the same thing as a living off the land attack? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, okay. That's the right term. Victor said Mandiant got a lot of the details about that October 12th substation hack exactly right. But to understand what Russia was trying to do, he said, you have to know what the energy situation was like in Ukraine back in October of last year. That was a very tough period. Energy generation and energy distribution uh, capacities were attacked by uh, cruise missiles and by UAVs. Which the bombing began on October 10th. Uh, which resulted in uh, numerous uh, power shortages all across Ukraine. We spoke with Viktor in early November. And then, on November 20th, Ukraine announced that it had sacked two high-ranking cyber defense officials in connection with an investigation into some alleged embezzlement. And Viktor Zhura was one of them. In a statement on Facebook, Viktor said that he'd ended his tenure at the agency and then added... He couldn't reveal details about the investigation, but he was confident he would prevail in court. Russia's decision to keep targeting the power grid is part of a larger strategy, one aimed at making Ukrainians suffer through a cold winter without heat. But what jumped out at Keith London, the guy who wrote the Mandiant report on the attack, was the real coordination between traditional fighters and Russia's cyber forces. There is this timing overlap with uh, some of the missile strikes. Um, basically, right at the beginning of that week in October, there was uh, a big you know, missile and ammunition strike across Ukraine targeting energy systems. So to have those strikes happen in parallel with this industrial control system attack, that's extremely rare. In other words, he said, Russian military leaders may have said, we're going to have this massive coordinated attack on the energy grid in Ukraine in October. So, cyber operators, you prepare something, and traditional war planners, you get something ready too. And then they let it fly. There's an argument that the cyber component could psychologically amplify, you know, the the perception of of Russia's power to say that they can not only launch these attacks, but also the systems they don't hit, they can hit with cyber or something like that. I think this is new waters. You know, essentially, it's it's one of the first major wars where cyber is a a large component of of the battle. Um, so we're seeing these play out in real time here. Victor Jora says Ukraine is bracing for something similar to happen this winter, too. In fact, it's already started. 
But this time around, he says Ukraine has more redundancies, more generators, more workarounds that both the power sector and ordinary people have created to make it more bearable this time around. And they're ready for cyber attacks, too. We have multiple uh, cyber exercises. We are working on standardization. We are working on uh, uh, setting up uh, requirements for for cybersecurity uh, policies and procedures. So um, I hope that uh, we are much prepared to these uh, uh, cyber attacks than a year ago. But the NSA's Rob Joyce said that as much as adversaries prepare, the Russians won't be deterred. They're always looking for that vulnerable system, that unlocked door. The thing I take away was the Russians are jiggling the doorknobs, they're probing, they're going to keep coming at them and look to find those vulnerabilities that they can exploit. This is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the past week. As we mentioned earlier, two top Ukrainian cyber officials at Ukraine's State Service for Special Communications and Information Protection were dismissed on Monday in connection with a corruption probe. The head of the division, Yuri Shurchihol, said in a statement that he'd submitted his resignation, adding that an impartial investigation will eventually prove his innocence. Viktor Jora, for his part, released a statement on Facebook that said the same. In our recent interview, Jora didn't mention any trouble at the agency, and he discussed his plans about future projects there. In a letter on Friday, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, announced a new voluntary pilot program focused on critical infrastructure in the healthcare, water, and K-12 education sectors. They've all been on the receiving end of lots of cyber attacks recently. CISA plans to identify organizations interested in their services and then stress test their delivery mechanism to see whether they're able to acquire, deploy, and operate these cybersecurity services at scale. The first phase of the Cybersecurity Shared Services pilot program will focus on up to 100 entities and will then expand beyond education and health. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director. Will Jarvis is our producer, and Lucas Riley and Jade Abdul-Malik are our staff writers. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Wolkowski, and Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking. Our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts, or send us an email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com. And check out our website with details about our shows and our whole show catalog at clickhereshow.com. And starting next Tuesday, we're going to do something a little different for the holiday season. We've made five Click Here radio shows that have been distributed to NPR stations. And in case you missed them, we thought we'd give you a chance to listen for yourselves. Next week, You'll hear the first one, a show we call URL to IRL. We hope you like them. Linda, can you bear with me a minute? This is my wife and she's my tech support. So he so he's got his app showing. Okay. So what I want is 
What is it? Voice recorder? Yeah, go to that. Yes, I found it. Voice recorder and voice yes, yes, memos. Yes. But so you're downloading it? <laughs> okay, Linda. Your tech job is over. Nice to meet everybody. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.